Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. Uh, this is Pastor Carlos here, and I'm so blessed to be here with you this, uh, at this time right now. I just I want to say thank you for your patience. Um, those who weren't able to watch the um, online service, there was a power outage that happened at around 4 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, and we were told we were okay around 6 o'clock, uh, but that wasn't the case. The power did not go on until 4 o'clock. And so um, NV Energy apologizes. And, um, but we know uh, God is in control. And I pray that you're here with me tonight, not only with your Bible, uh, but maybe some coffee, some tea, some water. Um, and so let us pray right now in this moment. And um, may the Lord bless you and speak to you um, as we go into Ruth, chapter 2. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that I have to speak um, to your children, Father. I just want to thank you. Um, I pray you bless these words once again. Bless this time. May this time be uh, encouraging. May it be challenging. May it be uplifting, Lord. And I pray that salvation be into someone's heart after this is done. Most importantly, if they don't know you. Um, and so we thank you, Lord. I pray your hand over this sermon. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. Please turn there with me. Last week, we were left with a scene, Naomi and Ruth, returning to Bethlehem as widows and childless mothers. As we go into this chapter, we're going to be introduced to another important character that brings some light through the darkness that we felt in chapter 1. Let's read Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So right here we see Boaz is a successful person. But notice, more importantly, he's a man of God. And I know this because of verse 1. He does something different that the family didn't do in chapter 1. He stayed in Bethlehem. You remember when Elimelech took his family, went from Bethlehem and moved to the land of Moab, right? Why? Because there was a famine in Bethlehem. But Boaz didn't give in to the temptation, move somewhere else greater, greater business. He stayed and believed God, and God blesses him. So Ruth, the Moabitess, notice how this writer keeps, he just got to put that in there, Ruth, the Moabitess. Not just Ruth, but she's a Moabite, so he keeps reminding us she's a Moabite. Ruth says, please, let me go to the field and glean he heads of grain after him in whose sight I might find favor. So they settle in Bethlehem, their new home. I don't know if they... 
um, have a tent or they have a house or if they're just living on the street, all we know is they're very poor. And Ruth noticed something to, and she makes this request. Let me glean after someone's field. There was a law that God put into place in the Old Testament and it was a mandate to all the farmers, business owners, landowners to honor a certain principle, and that was to help people who were less fortunate. And so you can go to Deuteronomy chapter 24, 19. Okay, it's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19. This is, this is what they would read right here. This was their Bible right here. It reads, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in your field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So if you were a farmer back in those days and you gathered grain, right, you tied it up in a bundle, and you forgot it, dropped it, got distracted, um, whatever, and you moved, you moved on. The law says you don't turn back and get it. Someone else can now claim this. It's for someone else. Like Naomi and Ruth. This was God's way providing for those who could not help themselves. But this is why this is important because this is a commandment that would have been tempting not to obey. Imagine you're a business owner. Imagine you're a business owner. Maybe you are a business owner. and you, Would you not feel the urge to go back and get what you worked for? Right? It's my land. This belongs to me. Right? The poor can find a different field. Every dollar matters. Every penny counts, you know? This had to be a temptation for some, because you know not every farmer obeyed this rule, <laughs> right? I mean, we, even today, we get, we get challenged. The, the word of the Lord says, hey, give me what belongs to me, all right? God says, give me what belongs to me. And some people can't even trust him with 10%. But God did promise those who did obey such a simple, but yet maybe not simple command, because it was an act of faith, to trust the Lord. But God says that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So we're going to see that Boaz obeyed this law without hesitation. Boaz actually has found the love of his life. The love of his life. Listen to me, the love of his life. You will see because of, of his obedience, little steps of obedience, it leads him to the love of his life. God will outdo and honor those who honor his commands. It's encouraging because Boaz is not the only one obeying this command. Ruth is also obeying this command, and we, we already see the fruit of her, what did, what did it say? She, she clung. She's, she clung to Naomi. She clung to the God of Israel She's clinging a small step of obedience. Think about it. She was part of a pagan background that worshiped false gods. 
She lost her husband, lost her father-in-law, had no security, no future. She could have been a little pagan-minded girl, come up with a different way to supply her needs. Ruth could have become a prostitute. Ruth could have become a thief. Ruth could have jumped from man to man. Ruth could have said, you know, I'm going to go back to the false, I'm going to go back to what's familiar. I need, I, no, no. She chose to do, listen, she chose to do with the little revelation that she had about God, the God of Israel. She says, I want to obey him. If God can love someone like me, a sojourn, a Moabite, a foreigner, I will humble myself and I will go to the food bank, stand in line and get what I need for me and my family. I will humble. She chooses to humble herself and most importantly, obeying God. And what's so amazing about this, you have two different people trusting God with the same command and God will bring them together for something more important than whatever they could have thought for their lives. Obey God in everything. And when you obey him in humility, faith, it will lead you to blessing. I'm going to say that one more time. Obey God in everything. And when you obey him in humility, faith, it will lead you to blessing. I like to think about David. Right? David was anointed by Samuel. He was told he was going to be the next king. And right after he was told he was going to be king, his dad calls him over and says, hey, I need you to bring some cheese and bread to your brothers who are at war, doing, doing some important things, right? They're at war fighting. So now here's David. He's delivering pizzas for Domino's. I need you to bring food to your brothers, right? After being anointed king, you know what some would have said? You know what he could have said? You know, dad, listen, you, you know, um, I don't think you understand who I am. I, I'm going to be the next king. I'm, I'm next in line. God anointed me. I, no, but he humbles himself, listens to his father, and you know he didn't think he would come across Goliath. It's crazy to think he came across Goliath by delivering food, humbling himself. Ruth comes to the field of Boaz. Verse 3. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. I like what it says, she so happened to come. Because this is not coincidence. This is not happenstance, right? If, they, if there's such a word. This is not luck, the stars aligning, right? The universe, no, no, no. As believers, we know this is God at work. This is his mighty hand at work. This is the mercy and grace of God. What, what I want to call the providence of God. God's providence. God's providence is God carrying provision for his people as he guides them in their journey of faith through life, accomplishing his purpose in them. God's mission is to save people and shape them to be more like Jesus. Providence is not God performing a miracle. It's God's invisible hand at work. That's providence. It's not God splitting the sea and 
raining bread from heaven, raising people from the dead. No, providence, I'm going to say, is a little more amazing because what God does, he takes people like you and I, right? People with free wills, the actors, and he takes the actions of men and women and he's able to take their free will decisions and fulfill his will. That's incredible. And if you've been walking with God for quite some time and been serving him, you can testify while you're listening to me right now with with God's goodness and his providence. And you normally don't even recognize it in the moment. But when you look back on life, you say, that was, wait a second, that was God all along. He was moving his invisible hand over my life. Providence is like God's pen. You know, God has a pen. It's a giant pen. God's pen, and he's drawing out the things in our life, the appointments in our life, and the ink is the random circumstances. It's a beautiful thing to see God using our life, and we can look back and say, wow, that was God. So to the human eye, it's a setback. It's not not important. I'm supposed to be here right now, but when you're serving the Lord and he's writing out an amazing providential story for your life, you're going to look back and say, wait a second, thank you. That... So may that encourage you right now in this moment. For us, may that be an encouragement. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is obedience. We're not puppets on a string. Right? We're not politicians, right? God moving us around, right, outside of our will, making us do what we, you know, we're not robots. None of us are saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I, no, 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 we got free wills. We choose. We obey, and he writes the story with our obedience. Someone just said amen right there, and let me just say thank you. Romans 8.28 confirms this. Those who love God, those who love, not, not believe God, right? The devil believes in God. Jesus made it very clear what it means to love God, to obey God. So say to him, Lord, whatever you say, I will, I will do. God, take me by the hand. Lead me to the promised land providentially. If you, you got to open the doors, may I meet people, may I... May you protect me from wrong. May You'll look back and you'll say, God, you led me. God, you led me. Verse 4, now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, here we go, this is Boaz now, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. The very first words we see Boaz speak, is what? The Lord be with you. He's not just a a wealthy man, a strong man, a smart man. He's a God-fearing man. He's a man that has God on his mind. And what's awesome, he's he's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's, He's a farmer. He's a businessman. And he speaks God's name and God's blessing over people. So this tells me you don't have to be a scholar or a minister or a pastor or have your name written in lice to do this. You can just be anybody and speak the blessing of God over God's people. 
There was a priest named Aaron in the Bible, very powerful man of God. He would speak priestly blessings over, over, over the people of Israel when they would have meetings, and Aaron would close with these meetings. And, and Boaz is doing the same thing right here in the workplace. So just a little challenge. Speak blessing. Speak the word of God everywhere you go, even at work. Even at work. Remember, this was, if you watched, if you watched online, if you heard the online service last week or the podcast, everyone was doing right in what? Their own eyes. That was their, Boaz is living in a time where everyone was doing right in their own eyes. That's a scary time to live. Because what's right to you may not be right for me. There are people right now cutting people's heads off and that's right to them. Boaz is living in this time. That's, that's what, it wasn't in, in the prime time of America. Right When everyone was going to church on Sunday where everyone honored the Sabbath. You remember those days when all the stores were closed? You know, church is open, stores are closed. And then the stores were open, but grandma still made you go to church. Everyone was at church. And if you didn't go to church, she yanked you by the ear. Guess what? You're going to church. <laughs> you know, this wasn't during a time where you could just speak, you know, God's name freely. And no, it was a day like today. There was confusion. There was perversion. And here's this man. He stands out and he says, Lord, may the Lord be with you. But now, Boaz, after he says this, is walking on his field. Verse 5, then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So here's Boaz, right? Picture Boaz has got a smile on his face. He shows up to work. The Lord be with you. And some scholars say that this man was, he, had, he was a detailed man. He, he noticed all the little details. He noticed things. He wasn't oblivious. Something just couldn't just, he, he noticed. And so he's, he's, he's walking on his field and he's thinking, well, I've, I've seen reapers come and go. I've, but I, who, I've, never, I've never seen her face. Who is this? Verse 6, so the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said to Boaz, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Wow. This tells me Ruth already has a reputation, and guess what? The town is talking about it. She is the name on everyone's mind and lips and it's not a bad thing okay this is a good thing because you go down to verse 11 Boaz shares about her verse 11 look and Boaz answered and said to her it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and and the land of your birth and you've come to a people whom you did not know before He's impressed. He's, Ruth is teaching us something right here. Honoring God, obeying God behind the scenes. Guess what? Boaz is noticing. People notice you and I more than we think. Something she said stuck out to this manager, though. Watch this, verse 7. The manager says to Boaz, and she said, now, Boaz is listening right here, and she said, and Boaz is like, what did she say? 
Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Wow. Humility. Humility. Why is she saying please? Please let me gather. You know, there was already a law put into place. She didn't have to ask. She could have just went right into the field, grabbed what belonged to her, right? She's entitled. No, no, no. She asks permission, and this stuck out to him. So she came, he continues to say, verse 7, so she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rests a little in the house. Ruth has no idea her testimony in this environment is leading her to what's to come. We as Christians cannot waste any opportunity in any environment to share the love of God with our actions. Because it might be the only time someone is exposed to Jesus. Can, can someone here say amen that's listening to me right now? Because every opportunity matters. You never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. She doesn't know Boaz is going to be her future husband. Right? She doesn't know she's going to be the ancestor of David and Jesus Christ. She's just being who she is, a humble, hardworking, God-fearing Moabite. Years ago when I worked at a place called Firth Rickson, I'll never forget somebody coming to me who I never even met, worked on the opposite side, and they came to me and said, can you, can you pray for me? I heard you, the, you're the prayer man. Can you pray for me? They were going through something. Never told them I went to church, never, 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 but somehow they knew I prayed. Ruth didn't need to go up to Boaz. Somebody did it for her. Never waste an opportunity to be kind to someone because you never know that where it will lead you. And we don't do it for that. May Jesus, may the light, love of God be in your life. Humble yourself because you don't know where your testimony will go. Ruth now has Boaz's attention. He's impressed. He finally gets to meet the girl everyone is talking about. Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So right here, he wants to protect her. He wants to take care of her. He wants, he wants to let her know you are safe here. This was during a time when there were perverts in the land who wanted to take advantage of these women, assault them in the, in the field. He says, you don't have to worry. And whenever you're thirsty, guess what? There's water waiting for you right here. Ruth is so moved. Ruth is so moved. Think about it. When's the last time you've done something like this for somebody? Hey, hey, I got you. Don't worry about it. Hey, I'll protect, I'll protect. Ruth right here is so moved. Verse 10. She fell on her face, bowed down to the ground. Stop right there. This is an act of honor and respect. That's amazing because we live in a day and age. You do something like this with somebody, and it's, it's, well, it's about time. You know, think about it. Where have you been? I mean, it's about time this is 
Okay, what else you got? No. And said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. You see that? Foreigner. If this paints any picture, it's of the sinner coming to Jesus, humble with honor and respect to the king of kings. As Boaz gives grace to a foreigner, so does my Jesus give grace to you and I, a foreigner. Boaz, in a way, is like a picture of Jesus Christ. But how many know Christ is the greater king? He is the greater redeemer. Verse 12, the Lord, he says, repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. I don't know about you, but this sounds familiar. Where have we heard this before? Now, not verbatim, but Jesus, right? He's, he says something kind of like this when he's in Jerusalem. Matthew 23, 37, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent. Wow, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her own under her wings? But he says, and you were not willing. So this tells me the responsibility is on us. It's on you. It's our decision to come to Christ or not come to Christ. We either say, I want to be under your wings or I don't want to be under your wings. But here we see Boaz saying, Ruth, Ruth, you have chosen. It's, it's not, Ruth, uh, Naomi made you do this, right? <laughs> no, she wasn't made to do this. Ruth, you have chosen to come under the wings of the Almighty. This has a few, a few things for you and I. To come under the shelter of someone's wings, this means you're close to that person. I mean, no, you can't be under somebody's shelter or shadow if you're not close to them. And Boaz says, you have made a decision to come close to this God. But he says, you also made refuge. Now, when you make something your refuge, it's your hiding place. It's a safe place. And this is what happens when we come to Christ. He becomes our refuge. Then verse 13, then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me. She's, she's, she's feeling loved and have spoken kindly to your maidservant. Though I'm not like one of your maidservants. You know, he's going, yeah, that's right. I've never, no, you're not like any of that. You are different. And I think he's thinking in a good way. Verse 14, now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. This is what happens when we come to Christ. He will fill you with something. I like what this says right here. She was satisfied. Christ will fill you with something that the world cannot give. Christ can satisfy your soul. You will be satisfied. Verse 15. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. I love that because this reminds me God will give us provision. Verse 16. 
also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Whoa, 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 whoa. So not only has Boaz given her provision, he, he's taking it a step further. He, he's, he's saying, hey, guys, I want you to, I, I want these bundles to fall purposely. So remember earlier we talked about how something, you know, you left it on accident. You, if, if, you know, you, you forgot about it. No, no, no. He says now, purposely, let these grains, the, 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 these bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Oh, my goodness. Now, you know, right here, obviously, Boaz <laughs> is, uh, he's, I don't know. It doesn't take a genius to figure out. He, Boaz, he likes Ruth. He, she catches his attention. He's noticing there's something different about this woman. Verse 9, let's go back to verse 9. Verse 9, let your eyes be on the field, he says, which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to, not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Protection. You make God your refuge. He will protect you. He'll put a shield around you, guard you. Ruth now can move through life knowing she's protected. She can have a confidence, not in herself, but knowing that, hey, Boaz said uh, he's going to take care of me. I love the story of Job when God asked Satan about Job. God said, do you remember when God said, what about my servant Job? And Satan said, yeah, don't you have a hedge? Aren't you protecting him? Don't you have a hedge around him? Which tells me that Satan already tried. And God says, okay, I'm going to remove this. and You can do whatever you want, but you're not going to touch his life. You're not going to take his life. Which tells me that even Satan has to obey. Even Satan has to submit to God. May that be an encouragement to you because nothing can come into your life without God allowing it, which sounds crazy. It sounds tough. That can be hurtful because you say, how in the world did you allow this to come into my life? But it also says that he will never give you something that you can't handle. And so when you got him in your life, you're going to be able to get through whatever it is is going on. Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Verse 18, then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm just, I don't know what it is, folks. You, listen to me right now. I love this because it's showing her character more and more. It's showing us who she is. She's invited as a, as a guest, and while she's eating, she's thinking and caring for someone else. Who? Her mother-in-law. She's not eating this, right, and just, and just enjoying the moment. No, she's thinking about, she's going, you know what? They're not experiencing this. It, she's thinking about her loved ones, and if this doesn't challenge you, right, to think about somebody else, if that won't challenge you, maybe this will. It's not, it's not just anyone. It's, it's her mother-in-law who's very bitter, a very bitter woman, someone you probably don't want to be around unless your name is Misery Loves Company. Let's say your name was Misery. 
and your last name was, or your middle name was love, and last name was company. Misery loves company. You, you don't want to be around this kind of woman. No, but no matter how difficult Naomi might have been, or bitter, or how dark her language was, her demeanor was, Ruth says, I care for her, I love her, I want to take care of her. So, so you're saying a Moabite is acting like this? Yes, I'm saying that because God can do anything and anyone. Can somebody say amen? The more I begin into this book, the more I realize this book is, it's a powerful book. This woman is a powerful woman of God. My goodness, this book has got so much in it, especially about relationship, romantic ones. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Listen, listen. To, to, the, to the fellas, to the, to, the, to the women, I want to encourage you to read this book. You know, um, one thing you won't see, and when I say to the fellas, I'm talking about to the to single guys, single women, listen to me. One thing you don't see in this book, unless, I'm, unless I missed it, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I didn't, I don't see anything about her physical appearance. She could have been pretty. But imagine when Boaz met her for the first time, working all day in the field, mud, Sweat, makeup everywhere. I mean, can you imagine, you know, just, 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 who knows? But even though we don't hear that she's beautiful, doesn't she shine and show beauty? Now, those no, there's no perfect person, but when you come to a woman like Ruth, physical beauty loses all value. You just read about her life, and you don't allow the world TikTok, Instagram, to dictate what's beautiful. Listen to me, young man. You will feel your heart drawn to this kind of woman in a very special way. Think about Sarah in the Bible. The Bible says that Sarah was very beautiful, right? But she convinces her husband. Oh, well, hold on. How, how beautiful was Sarah? Sarah was beautiful up in her 90s. Very beautiful lady, right? The Bible says uh, even, even, even um, Abraham had to tell her, hey, tell them, I'm your brother, so they don't, they don't kill me, right? You're my sister. Think about it. Beautiful. But all that beauty, all that beauty, this beautiful woman convinced her husband to marry, well, to sleep with another lady Instead of trusting God and his promise. Remember, God gave him a promise. And instead of her saying, you know, honey, I know we're not seeing it, but I'm, I'm behind you. Trust God. Trust God in this moment. Put, I'm behind you. I'm, I'm, no matter what, we're going to get through this together. No. Does beauty matter in this moment? Or does character, wisdom, discernment, discretion Rule over all of that. Ruth is blossoming. She is, she is, she's blooming before our very eyes. This is what you call a Proverbs 31 woman right here. Ruth is, Ruth is a, a strong woman. She's coming back. She's working all day. Now she's coming back with stuff. Verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? She, she's shocked. She's, she's coming back with all this stuff. Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. So right here, 
Okay. Now all of a sudden it's, it's starting to get deep. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a hallmark. You know, when you're watching Hallmark, you got two ladies talking in the kitchen, and this, you know, they got their coffee and they're smiling. And obviously, this is heading right here, verse 20. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, "Blessed be the, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead." And Naomi said to her, "This man is in relation, is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives." The moment Naomi hears who the man is. Right? The moment she hears what it is, she blesses the Lord and her heart begins to change. That's a beautiful thing. A woman who changed her name to Mara is now blessing. This should be an encouragement for someone who's in a bitter time, in a bitter place in their life. There may be weeping in the night, but joy comes in the morning. But why is this happening? Because Ruth. That's why. I was preparing the sermon and I was thinking about all the things that I'm noticing in your life, in our church's life. Why are these things happening in your homes? All these things. You, and, and again, you might not see it. <laughs> I, see, I see what God's doing. You know, it's like someone going to the gym, right? They, they go to the gym and they, they don't notice, you know, and, and, but you haven't seen them for a few months and all of a sudden, you say, wow, you have changed. Man, what has happened? They're like, oh, yeah, I've been. You might not see it, but I see it. God is moving in your lives. Why are we seeing these changes made? It's because of you. You're listening to me right now online. It's because of you. That's why. God's using you. But can you imagine if Ruth would have acted like Naomi? What if Ruth would have imitated her mother-in-law? What if she would have reflected and stayed home with Naomi and complained about their circumstances and their life and sat at home and watched the view? Or Oprah, who knows? But Ruth says, no, I'm going to get up. I'm going to obey God no matter what. God is using Ruth to change Naomi's heart. This tells me your obedience to God is not just for you, it's for others. Your faithfulness to the house of God is not just for you, it's for others. You coming to the house of the Lord, giving your tithe and offerings, which I know he appreciates and so do we, it's not just for you, it's for others. You're praying for, you, you praying is not for you, it's for others. Your sacrifice is not for you, it's for others. And most importantly, it's for God. Your relationship with God is too valuable for you to think it's all about you. It's too valuable. It's not about you. It's not about me. This is a beautiful thing because Naomi is getting so excited now She's thinking to herself, the name can continue. There's still a future. And you know, she's looking at Ruth going, okay, uh, Ruth, you're single. He's single. Um, I mean, you know, what else did he say? Ruth the Moabite is verse 21. He, he said to me, okay, now it's getting deeper. You know, now there's the butterflies and she's excited. Maybe she's blushing. I don't know. He also said to me, verse 21, 
You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good. It's almost like she just, okay, stop right there. It is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this young, with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Wow. So we know that Boaz, in a way, is the redeemer, right? But we get to the end of chapter 2, nothing happens. Days go by, weeks go by, months, right? We got harvest, barley harvest, wheat harvest, nothing's happening. Maybe small talk, small conversation. But that's all. But that's why I'm excited for next week. And I love the advice Naomi gives to her daughter-in-law. I love the advice she gives to Ruth. She looks at this young lady who's experiencing the grace of, of God through this wonderful man named Boaz, right? Who, in a way, he, he's, he, he, just, he tops all the guys. I mean, he's like, he's the man during a time like this. And she tells Ruth, don't be tempted to go somewhere else. Don't be tempted to go to someone else's field. Don't. Now, why would she say that? Maybe because it was a temptation. Ruth's thinking, I've been here for some time now, and he's just, we're small talk, nothing's happening. If it's good here, it's probably good somewhere else. There's something better out there. And she says, no, 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 Ruth, nothing will be better than this. I want to tell you this, this right now. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, do not leave the will of God because nothing will be better than Him. Nothing will be better than this. I'm excited for next week. It's, I, was, I was talking on Sunday. I was telling the congregation it's, it's going to start getting hot and spicy in a, in a godly way. So I want to encourage you uh, to uh, stay connected. Again, I so appreciate um, you joining uh, me. But before we close, I just want to ask, uh, maybe you're sitting with someone right now, and um, maybe you've been praying for this person. Maybe there's somebody that should be sitting with you. You're believing for this person. Maybe it's you. You say, I, I, um, this Boaz story I, I don't know too much about, but maybe just maybe you do know this. If you were to die today, tomorrow, you don't know where you would go. You hope you go to heaven, but the Bible says, unless a man be born again. And I would love to pray with you if you're listening right now. 
the sinner's prayer. It's a prayer of repentance, being humble, turning to God, making him your refuge, clinging to him like Ruth clung to Naomi and the God of Israel. It's you, this, that's you and you say, you know, Pastor Carlos, I, I want to pray with you. May I pray with you right now? Repeat with me and say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I am sorry for what I've done. I believe you died on the cross for me. You were buried and you rose again. And you're coming back for me. Father, help me as I surrender my life to you. I turn to you. Thank you for forgiving me. I am forgiven. I want you to say that right now. I am forgiven because you say I am. Thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Thank you.